great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. Sir. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after ran down. Everybody, amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's good. Way to go. All over the Rams today and Rammy. Now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's Wow. Rammy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, coming off of a tough loss against the San Francisco 49ers. It's now nine straight regular season losses against that team, but some encouraging things throughout this game. And first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? Good. Tough loss, but got to respect the fight from our team. You know, this is supposed to be the best of the NFC. And, you know, these young Rams came came into a slightly difficult home environment and really put on a really good uh, show for everybody. So kudos to, to our guys. Really, really difficult environment to play in, which is insane to say about your own home environment, but it looked like about a 75 to 25% split. But I mean, the real warriors are the Rams fans that stood the front line of battle. So to, kudos to whichever Rams fan you are that went to the game and you sat in front of all those 49ers fans and you cheered on your Rams. Credit to you guys. We love you from this podcast and the fan base appreciates you guys for sticking out your neck and having to deal with all those people. Uh, and the 49ers fans that said that this game was going to be a total blowout, total dismantlement of this franchise, it, it wasn't. I mean, it was a really close game. And I think that, you know, some of the fine lines that are drawn between this team in terms of identities are very obvious, right? There's some key personnel differentiators. There's a lot more talent on the San Francisco 49ers' roster. But the fact that the Rams are in a rebuild, a remodel, whatever the hell you want to call it, and they were as competitive as they were in this game, in that environment, goes to show the you know, amount of attention to detail that the coaching staff likes to put on these young players and just the, uh, the amount that they care and the ability that they bring to the table consistently. It leaves the floor wide open for 2024 and 2025 if you're an optimist and you are encouraged by what you saw today. Yeah, I'm, and, you know, I was I really, really loved pretty much all three phases, everything. Like, I mean, there was, you know, there's some stuff you can obviously nitpick, probably more so on defense, but – you know, the, you got these like young guys stepping up, looking better than like most wide receiver trios out here. Like, yeah, that's true. Completely, completely blown us away. Stafford in his like upteenth year, like delivering like deep, like hard, <laughs> fast balls. Sometimes maybe a little too fast, a little too much mustard. But I overall, like that's the first Rams loss I felt in a long time where. You can really hang your hat on that and be like, that's a really good team. And you did everything that you could to win that game. And, you know, it's tough when you lose a game anytime, especially one that's so close like that one where you're in it the whole time. Um, but to hang your hat on that and be like, next time we face these guys, there's no reason we should go in there thinking that we can lose. No, we shouldn't. And the next opportunity we'll have to play against them will hopefully have the full wide receiver trio that you're discussing into Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell, which is what I believe all Rams fans want to see at this point in the season after some of the disappointments that Van Jefferson has brought to the table over the past couple of weeks and years. But I mean, the day, Nick, it started with Cam Akers news, which I don't think any Rams fans were expecting. Jay Glazer came on the Fox News and was talking about Cam Akers hadn't been adhering to the Rams' culture 
which is about doing what's expected of you and accountability. And then all of a sudden, Cam Akers is on the trade block, which is the only reason why we discussed Jonathan Taylor and the reason why he was brought up today via Twitter. Uh, and along the, the same same applies with the Christian McCaffrey deal that the Rams almost were able to pull off with those second, third, fourth round picks in years years in the future. Um, but I think it's it's just really interesting, like that Kyron Williams play, that mistake that he made where the ball bounced off his chest and it turned into a turnover. That's probably the difference in a Kyron Williams and a Jonathan Taylor, you know, that game-breaking ability. But at the same time, is that a, a position of need that you you really need to upgrade at this point of the season? Are you looking at some potential edge rushers to, uh, to close out the year if you're going to add some more key personnel um, and, and close out the roster? Or are you going to continuously try and build and make it dependent on how you perform throughout the rest of the season. It's going to be really interesting. But that that was drama that, that kicked off the day. And then you just kind of wanted to make sure that the Rams weren't going to embarrass you in this game. And I think that a lot of the signs from the week prior pointed to the fact that they weren't going to embarrass you because they've been solidified up front and they have a Hall of Fame quarterback and they have some key members of personnel and skill players in Puka Naku and Tutu Atwell. Yeah, I – as far as the Cam Akers news goes, uh, a couple things I want to talk about on that. First of all, like, so we want to trade him, clearly. You know, that was the conversation last year. It was the conversation this year. Do we have to let it leak that he's, like, locker room, like, horribleness? <laughs> like, who's going to want to trade for him if it's like, oh, no. this guy doesn't bear a culture? So, yeah, no one's, no one's going to trade for him. And that's the problem no. is he's going to end up being no. cut and then somebody's going to end up picking him up. Unless yeah, because obviously they're going to pick him up. And then you could also oh. argue that um, like that Kyron Williams drop, it's like they may have overused him at a yeah. point where if you yeah. would have had Cam Akers yeah. playing in that game, then you could have used like a little bit of both of them. Sure, like rely on Williams as the guy because he seems to be the guy. But like you can throw Cam in every now and then. And then, you know, maybe that litigates some of the mistakes like that drop, you know, that turn into a turnover. So the whole thing, which it's just, it's been handled horribly. It happened last year. He's still on the team. I guess they thought that, I mean, he's tweeting like, hey, this is all news to me too. Yeah, it's, it's like, total BS. how is it? Even, it's not news to you. Like you yeah. must be in these meetings where Sean or whoever is like, hey, you got to pay more attention. Or whatever totally. it might be, but yeah. you know, and, and then he's out here being like, "Hey, I didn't do anything wrong." It's like, come on, man! Like, Completely unnecessary distraction. And in a day yeah. where the Rams were able to generate more total yards, more passing yards, converted more third downs, Kyron Williams had a much uh, much higher average yards per carry than than Cam Akers did the week prior. And to me, they're showing versatility week to week from an offensive standpoint, and that's what you have to ask for. Twenty-two rushing attempts in this week's game, coming off of forty from last week. Matthew Stafford at fifty-five pass attempts. Were either of those interceptions truly his fault, Nick? I mean, uh, those maybe you could argue the second one was a little behind, but yeah, the the, the throw to Van Jefferson though that's supposed to be a route where he comes back to the football. You have to be able to help your quarterback out in those situations. You can't allow that route to drift upfield, especially when you see the ball coming across the field. You have to be able to play a little defense if you see the defender jumping in front of you and getting the position. And I think that's the the issue with a fourth-year player and a player that's expecting a larger contract in his second deal in Van Jefferson. And it's a reason why he's probably not going to be back with the Rams. But I think like there's moments with Matthew Stafford, like this moment with Shatarius Ward. He is the oldest player, oldest active quarterback in the league, and he's able to do this on a free rusher and then complete a pass sidearm in the flat 
to a running back. I think that's the most impressive part of this offense is it's multidimensional. But when it needs to fall in either category and lean on one dimension or the other, whether it's the run or the pass, it has the ability to do so because it has a great coach and it has a Hall of Fame quarterback at the helm. You do hate with him being able to get off plays like that and like looking like that sharp for for the stat line to end with two interceptions. Yeah, um, because yeah, you because cool. you know that that's not indicative of of the game. And you know, shout out to the Rams for for finding that cover for Nick's picks, but also so people can look back on this game and be like, oh, so it, like the Rams actually like it was a close game. It wasn't like the Rams, you know, like you know, were like behind that's the whole true. time coming back. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I mean, everything you saw from Stafford, you really had to just, you know, tip of the cap. And I'm sure a, a, a lot of Niners fans will agree that he was he absolutely outplayed Brock Purdy. He was asked to do so much more. And, yeah, I mean, he, he was great. And it's two games yeah. in a row where, where you have no complaints from the quarterback position, which is great. 55 pass attempts to, what, 25 for Brock Purdy? He missed three or four deep shots down the field to Jennings. I mean, it's just not an impressive player. Uh, and when the Rams are now finally rolling out their the correct offensive line combination, Ryan Wendell and the help that they got in the offseason and everybody else that collectively were able to put together their brain power to roll out the best, the strongest, the most powerful starting five, being able to be solid in pass pro and the ability to move bodies in the run game is truly what's opening up Sean McVay's offense. And that's what he wants to be able to bring to the table is a true marriage of the run and the pass game. But the innate ability to be able to switch over one and, and favor one dimension if the matchup or the in-game situations call for it. And I think that's why that this offensive line combination is working and losing Joe Nopum and watching the 49ers progressively bring more pressure and add bodies to the line of scrimmage was a little bit daunting. And you could see some of the adjustments in real time. Matthew Stafford hadn't been pressured until the, I think it was what, three, four minutes left in the third quarter of the second half of this game. So we yeah. played six and a half quarters and Matthew Stafford hadn't been under any pressure yet the whole season. Which is I mean, crazy, completely different Rams team from last year. That's And that's exactly right. And I, I do feel like the way the McVay's offense, the way that it unfolds, the way that, that routes take a little bit longer to develop down the field, the way that it's a little bit more complex pre-snap, and the 49ers have all of that. But I do feel like that the way that the Rams are bringing some of this stuff to the table and then being able to, to run it with players that aren't even guys that have been comfortable in your offense for a long period of time. And being able to protect Matthew Stafford as he's a weight-bearing wall, having him drop back 55 times in this game is probably not something that you want to do. But, I mean, it's it's an effort to win the game, and you're still able to put up 23 points in a game where you're not expected to put up any points at all. Like that Steelers game, Nick, last week, you're coming off of a week with the Pittsburgh Steelers in their home stadium where they put up zero offense. And I just feel like the expectations were extraordinarily low. And then you go over and you look at the left side of the offensive line and guys like, Alaric Jackson and Steve Avila, who Steve Avila, I think his Nick is going to be a pro bowler in this league. He could start in the pro bowl this upcoming season at left guard for the, the NFC. I mean, he's, he's that impressive of a player. So have the utmost confidence in the things that they were trying to develop in the off season that have now carried over into the regular season. If the 49ers are truly the cream of the crop of the NFL offensively and defensively, I mean, I don't think they are offensively at all, but defensively, I, I think it's safe to say through week two, they probably are. It's probably like a good caliber to be like, okay, how good is your team? Like how, like how much offense can you generate going up against this strong powerhouse defense? And if you're the Steelers, you're, you're really worried. And if you're the Rams, I think you legitimately – can think, okay, we have a roster here 
that can put go up and, and score points. Our defense may be young, but we can go out there and we can, you know, pull punches with the best of them and, you know, go shot for shot and hopefully win some of these games. And I think, like, at this point of the season, you can legitimately start thinking, like, okay, this 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 has the power to be a postseason team. And I know I'm getting yeah. ahead of myself, but, you know, good teams are, are already thinking like that. I, I think schematically, Nick, what they're doing from an execution standpoint in the run in the pass game and consistently being able to show that they get a win at the line of scrimmage is impressive enough. And like to me, that that shows that you can be a playoff team if you could win on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage. But then if you have guys like this, guys like Puka Nakua, the first player in NFL history with 10 plus catches and 100 plus receiving yards in each of his first two games of his career. Are you kidding me? A fifth round pick everybody doubted couldn't be even a fraction of what Bobby Trees was. And he comes in within two weeks of the season and is already very, very high on a lot of Rams fans' list in terms of all-time receivers. I think it's um, it's just really fun to watch these kids develop. Tutu Atwell made an incredible catch on the sideline, showing off his powerful hands. Um, and it's a kid that you didn't even think had the ability to develop into the player that he is today. And it's, it was Creed Humphrey over Tutu Atwell for the conversation for three years. People now this are already a legitimate contributor, and you feel like he can yeah. be the third amigo, third Animaniac, third, whatever you want it to be of this wide receiver trio. I mean, people were already writing off Tutu as like kind of a bust at this point. So for him to go get up there and, you know, absolutely be like a huge contributing factor to the offense, people are stepping up for the Cooper Cup absence. And, you know, particularly Puka Nakua, who needs a new um, little graphic of him because it looks nothing like him. And I don't think they ever thought they would have to show it as often as they do. But yeah, I mean, like people are picking up in fantasy. People, if he's the real deal, and I was 100% saying you definitely pick him up. Our cousin texted us, Rafe, and was like, "Should I pick up Kyron Williams this week?" And we were like, "Yeah." I mean, I had Cam Akers starting in two of my leagues, so I had to rush to find Kyron Williams. He was gone in one of them, right. so you know, I I, I kind of had to blow it and, and throw out some Saints. Uh, whoever it was, uh, Jameis Williams or something, to play in running back position. So I'm probably screwed in losing that league. But either way, <laughs> I love what you're seeing from the young guys. Just yeah, yeah. Uh, Puka uh, Matata as apparently is becoming like a new hit name. Yeah. Yeah, to me, I mean, it's Puka. I love Puka. But to me, it's Steve Avila. Like, to me, he is the guy that I feel like watching him – and Alaric Jackson put on a clinic in pass pro against the NFL's highest paid defender in Nick Bosa, which I feel like was just a great, great game plan that Ryan Wendell drew up for their younger but capable left side. It got to the point where they were rushing both the left side and the right side in, uh, in Nick Bosa. He was jumping on on both sides. And the three others in Hargrave and Armstead and Kinlaw and a few others had rotated in and still weren't able to generate any legitimate pressure in the first half. And Kyle Shannon couldn't, couldn't stop talking about how the defense needed to make adjustments in order to be able to put this game away. And a lot of that is credit to the Rams' offensive line. So I just wanted to make sure we gave the necessary credit and kudos to yeah. the uh, to the offensive line because we didn't see it at all last year. No, no. I mean, it was a completely different team. I mean, Fred Warner giving everybody trouble, but, you know, that's just yeah. – when when there are that many beasts on that side of the ball, it's hard to, it's hard to stop them all. Yeah, it was the – Three big mishaps, I feel like. And the mistakes that you can't make in these kind of games is the Kyron Williams dropped interception, the, the drop that turned into an interception. And then Tutu Atwell was failing to run that option Whirly Bird route, which was yeah. clear miscommunication to me between 
him and Matthew Stafford. Stafford was going, two, what are you doing? You can't stop there. You got to be able to whirly bird, turn around and go into the end zone. And, and then it was Van Jefferson's inability to come back to the football and play defense in that second Matthew Stafford interception, which I feel like was the difference in this game from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, and like that all comes from young players who are out there with a completely new system, like, and noticeably absent from this list is Puga Nakua, who is just like the cream of the crop of these rookies. But like, once again, if you have Cam Akers, maybe you don't focus on Kyron Williams so much, and maybe, you know, you can separate that. Um, yep. The 2 2 early bird thing, uh, maybe like, you know, he just wasn't listening correctly on the huddle or something. It's just, um, it's, it's a feel for the game, right? It's an option. Yeah. Now. You know, yeah. you're going to sit in a zone, but then you're going to be able to see that that safety and that linebacker behind you are not. And that ties the game. It does. That that would tie the game. He would have been a walk-in touchdown. Stafford hit him right in the end zone. And and then, you know, the Rams could force a stop and we get the ball right back. It, mm-hmm. I mean, so many opportunities to actually win this game, which was the best part as a, as a fan. Like, I'm sitting there like, you know, it, it's 10 nothing in the fourth quarter, and I'm like, oh, it's over. And then they drive, and, they and you know, that whirly bird causes them to kick a field goal. But I'm like, hey, you got to stop here. And they did. And then it was the pick. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, ten nothing. It was in. Was it ten nothing in the first quarter? I thought it was. Seven well, no, no. Uh, I'm saying you meant you meant a ten point deficit. Yeah, deficit. I got you. Not not ten nothing. Excuse I got you. I got you. Yeah. Then we transition over to the defense, Nick, because I, I think that the defense in this game was was pretty interesting, and a lot of it was within that second half. The offense wasn't putting together the same type of drives that they were putting together in the first half, so the field position game was a little bit different and at a disadvantage to the Rams' defense. And that's not me making an excuse. Like Michael Hoyt and Byron Young, I still feel like are being asked to do a little bit more than what they're capable of doing. And part of that is just their roles in the Vic Fangio and Brandon Stanley and Raheem Morris Franken defense that they've formed over the last three years. But to me, I feel like they're both, and I use this term really, really lightly, I think they're serviceable players. And Byron Young is a guy that I want to keep watching because I clearly feel like he has the most potential amongst the group. So I'm hopeful that a third round pick can be one of those solidifying pieces moving forward. Like Michael Hoyt is not the kind of player that's going to generate five, six pressures. But, you know, when the, when the scheme's good and the, the protection is really solid up front and the 49ers have one of the best offensive lines I've ever seen, you know, you're going to be able to, you're going to have a hard time in those kind of situations and you're going to be struggling to generate pressure. You saw it in Nick Bosa when you're rushing for, you had to be able to dilate, di- dial up some of those intricate um, blitz pressures and packages. And I think that Raheem Morris has done that pretty well over the past couple of weeks. Um, probably didn't do it well enough over the past couple of years, but now you're seeing it a little bit more because they have, they have a lack of personnel in terms of pass rush up front. And Aaron Donald, I mean, had a couple of opportunities that he just barely missed on where he broke through, was able to generate pressure, probably was a, a half a second away from swiping the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands once or right. twice. Who fumbled um, twice, you know, Rockford. once again, two fumbles that bounced right back into him. I mean, I mean, I was listening on the radio and it was like, yeah, the first one, it was like, usually that ball like bounces back and it's like a fight for yeah. the ball. And, you know, could have been like a, you know, a fumble six for the Rams. And of course it wasn't because nothing went our way um, in that sort of fashion today. Yeah. And then there was the almost Debo fumble, right? So there's three potential turnovers that were just kind of laying on the surface of the field. <laughs> Just yeah. waiting for you to pick him up. And Brock Purdy now has four fumbles in two weeks. Uh, how many touchdown passes does he have? He didn't have any in this game. 
Um, yeah. So I mean, from from what I saw, at least like from our defense, we got them to bleed. And Brock Purdy is out there. I mean, I texted you and Dad. Brock Purdy overthrows Debo, and I'm like, the Niners made this big fuss about Jimmy G and getting him off the team and trading off of Trey Lance, and then you go out there and you get. Also, this is for all the Niners fans that watched our video last week. You go out there and you get this guy who is essentially exactly Jimmy G overthrows Debo on the same the same exact play that, that they drew up for Jimmy G to, to hit Debo in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, doesn't hit him, overthrows him. So they are, you know, they're absolutely beatable and they definitely bled all game. And we had windows and opportunities, and it would have been so sweet to knock these guys off their perch, but yeah. someone will. That's I'm, I'm coming out of this game thinking that the Niners may not be all that they cracked up to be. No, they're not. I wasn't at all impressed um, just in there. Some of their offense execution was impressive, but it's a lot of what we've seen from them in the past in terms of they do an incredible job of being able to generate stuff pre-snap. They use the motion to identify what the Rams are bringing to the table in terms of looks and they try to identify what the Rams are in and, and they'll offset tackles and tight ends and receivers and they'll line up receivers in the backfield and whatever it may be to try and find the matchup advantage like that they like. And I think that to me, that's all good and well. You know, you could execute that with pretty much any quarterback under the sun. But if they had a quarterback who was legitimately a top 10 player and didn't miss on every single deep shot that they took, I'd be sitting here telling you all that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. With, without a shred of doubt, I would say, you know, a, I would say 49ers and then whoever is going to come out of the, the AFC, because I don't know if it's going to be the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, who the hell knows at this point. Ravens. Um, the Ravens. Yeah. Whomever the, the Browns, Nick, maybe, right? Yeah. 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 Potentially, <laughs> potentially the Browns. Um, but to me, I mean, that's, that's the difference in these games. And Mark Sanchez was alluding to it later on in the broadcast. It's like, if you're going to miss on four or five explosives in these big time situations, this is a team that's going through a remodel who wasn't necessarily up for the task later on in the game after they turned the ball a couple turned the ball over a couple of times but this is to me that I didn't see the quarterback that's going to win the San Francisco 49ers multiple Super Bowls. I didn't see a quarterback that's going to win them one Super Bowl. Uh, he's no, a good I'm, player when it comes to being able to digest the playbook and being able to execute on ground balls from second base, a quick little toss over to the first baseman but when he's got to step up to the plate to hit a home run. It's a little bit different of a game, and that's the difference of Matthew Stafford and Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo and whomever else you want to attack of Iowa and whoever else you want to put in that category. Yeah, I just some really, you know, questionable overthrows out of him and was not impressed at all. I mean, you kind of said it perfectly. I was not blown away by their offense outside of CMC, who – we actually did a good job of containing. I mean, like, that's what it is. With it, was a team like one, this. it was one 51-yard run. But outside of that, I think they did a solid yeah. job. You have, it, it's mainly about containing because they, you know, they have so many weapons. It's like, obviously, he's going to rush. Like, he's going to get his yardage. He's Christian McCaffrey. He's the best running back in the league right now. Um, like, he's going to get it. But you have to litigate it and make sure he doesn't get all of it. And credit to them, they did a much better job at stopping. He's not out there throwing for a touchdown, catching a touchdown, and running one in in the same game. Right, right. You know? <laughs> That's where it is really frustrating. I think, uh, you know, I, everybody wants to see more out, out of Aaron Donald, but I think it's just he's as good as 
the rest of the personnel is up front. And plus, I think a lot of the things that they tried to do when they try to dial up some pressure is just be able to move the pocket a little bit and try and get Brock Purdy off of his spots, which occasionally does happen. And I think that's just, you know, some of the things they try to do schematically and just an effort to generate some legitimate pressure. But like guys like Kobe Durant solidifying himself as one of the best players on this team. I feel like Darion Kendrick is still going through some growing pains and a lot of them are just due to some of his unnecessary aggression and just wants to make a play. He just needs to work a little bit on, on being able to time some of his past breakups and capitalizing on some of those opportunities. If he continues to be penalized, we're going to see more Trey Tomlinson and some of those other young rookie defensive backs. Um, But I think defensively you did about as much as you could in this game. You contained them about as much as you possibly could. That offense is always going to run downhill. It's just how they're built. Um, So it's, it's being, uh, being able to contain, being able to win at the line of scrimmage on occasion and being able to potentially generate turnovers, which, they had some on the floor and they just weren't able to, to execute. So I also, I felt like Shanahan went into that game plan saying this Rams defense is not that great. I can run it down their throat and that can be pretty much our whole game plan. Take up clock score, score early and then just keep running it. And we we did not let them do that. You know, there were runs where he was swallowed up early before the line of scrimmage. Like, we read a lot of their, you know, like sweeps or like bubble screens. So, I mean, yeah, there is a lot of blemishes that we saw, particularly the PI at the end of the first half. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that's the best that you can do. And with the yeah. young group, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I was re- – that was the first loss in a really long time while I'm walking out of it. And I'm like, okay, like that's – take the loss, you know, wear it on your chest – all the way to next week, and you go out there and you show them that on Monday night, which is where you are, you know, against your Super Bowl rivals, if you can even call it that, um, you show them that you're like a real legitimate team. I, I have the utmost confidence. I have the utmost confidence in them for the remainder of the season, as long as they could show the ability to stay healthy, which, you know, I think 21 targets to Puka Nakua every single week is going to get a little tiresome. His obliques are going to get worn down. Yeah, let's see if we can ride it until Cup gets back. Right, right. And I think that's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. But I I do have the utmost confidence because we have one of the best coaches, one of the best quarterbacks, and some of the the best minds in football on both sides of the ball um, in those crunch time situations. The younger kids are going to make mistakes late on in the game, but it's going to be up to some of those older players to be able to rally them back and make them teachable moments so that they can correct them and win football games because of them and not in spite of them. Um, so I have faith in this team. I really do extraordinarily encouraged. Usually do not feel anything like this after a loss, um, especially even like you look at the special teams. Brett Maher was a perfect three for three, had a long of 48, made all of his extra points. Um, Ethan Evans, after a pretty discouraging first punt, hit one further than I've ever seen anybody hit a punt. I thought it hit the fucking moon and came down. It went so high. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, and then the coverage teams were fine. No real mistakes from that phase. I was just kind of a pleasant surprise over the past couple of weeks that special teams hasn't made any crucial mistakes that have lost you the game because this game could have definitely came down to it. I mean, we were close to, you know, it's seven points at the half. If 49ers don't score right before the half, this game comes down to the final field goal. And I think it's Brett Maher versus third round pick Jake Moody. And we might get one of those when we go over to Levi South. Next I time. mean, yeah, or just Levi. Whatever the hell fucking call him, whatever. Yeah. Um, watch the cursing, I might add. But yeah, I mean, special teams. And for them to kick that final field goal, 
um, as my friends are texting me like, oh my God, I have 49ers minus eight. What the hell are the Rams doing? Like, why are they doing this? I mean, I liked it because they were thinking about Nick's picks, but also like give him all the reps, you know, like he clearly was a little bit of a head case at one point last year. Get him confident, like kick the ball, like three, you know, three with as long as 48, you know what I mean? Like all three of them good. I'm loving when I'm seeing him. I was super critical of that signing. I thought that they were, I thought that that was a legitimate, like, hey, we might be tanking, calling up on somebody that, you know, was the laughing stock of the playoffs last year. So shout out to Brent Maher and the special teams. I loved all of it. Keep riding with us this season, guys. It's going to be a really fun one. I think we've we've hyped it up a little bit. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster, as it seems like every single Rams season is. But I think this one especially is going to be fun going into the next couple of seasons. So make sure, before you guys do anything else, that you... Ram it! <laughs> like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. 49ers fans also, thank you for listening. Yeah, and shout out for liking our video. Shout out to the Niners fans for watching that video maybe over and over again as motivation, but whatever it was, we love it. So keep doing what you're doing, guys. Like and subscribe. Smash. Yeah. Take care. (laughs) Go Rams. Peace.